Well, this morning, it's great to have opportunity to open the word of God again and want us to read it and ask God, the author of this book, <laughs> to interpret to our hearts this morning. So let's look at the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to ask you to turn there as we continue this series of messages, a personal reformation, a personal reformation. We have been talking some about the reformation these last few months, uh, the great reformation truths on which... Uh, our faith rests taken straight from the scripture. But what is most important is that we know the experience of personal reformation in our lives. And so we've been focusing on that for the last few Sundays. And this morning, I'd like us to do that as we turn to Matthew chapter 5, a very familiar, beloved passage of scripture. And I'd like to read some uh, verses from our Lord Jesus in his famous Sermon on the Mount. And so I'm going to ask you if you would take your copy of God's Word in Matthew 5. It's page 809 if you'd like to use the Bibles provided. And I will ask you, if you're able, please stand just for a moment as we read God's Word together. Matthew chapter 5. We'll read verses 1 through 6 this morning. Matthew 5, verses 1 through 6. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. The word of the Lord, you may be seated. This series of messages on a personal reformation, the last couple of Sundays, been, they've been challenging messages. Two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Joe talked about counting the cost, counting the cost, and there's truly a cost to following Jesus. Last week, I spoke to you from Luke chapter 9 and talked about the Lord's challenge that if we're going to follow Jesus, that that is a call to die, to take up our cross and to follow him, that we must be willing to die to self in order to live and truly experience Christ and know him. So we've had a, a lot of challenge these last couple weeks about counting the cost when it comes to personal reformation. But friends, I want you to know that any cost that the Lord gives to us for following him is nothing compared with the reward and blessing he offers, right? Absolutely nothing to be compared. And so today I want to talk to you about the rewards of following the Lord Jesus. The focus on that, the rewards of following the Lord Jesus. Now, I know in America at this time and for the last uh, couple of decades in particular, there has been known what is called the prosperity gospel, the prosperity movement. And uh, perhaps now in these days, that's best known by one particular pastor and author, uh, uh, Pastor Joel Osteen from uh, Houston, Texas, the Lakewood Church there. And uh, he wrote a book several years ago called uh, your Best Life Now, Your Best Life Now, where he really espouses, espouses some of these key teachings about 
prosperity teaching, prosperity gospel, as we would say, the message of prosperity. And that book sold 8.5 million copies so far. 8.5 million copies. And that lets me know that I only have 8,499,300 to go. All right? I want to remind all of you, all the proceeds of that book go to West Park Baptist Church. So you do the math, okay? Get after it, all right? <laughs> but the key message of that book, Your Best Life Now, is the message about the favor of God. And basically what Pastor Osteen says in that book is that God wants you rich, he wants you comfortable, he wants you powerful, he wants you contented. And I want to tell you this morning, that is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. Now, I believe Pastor Osteen's using the wrong dictionary in the way he defines those words of rich, powerful, comfortable, and contented. I think his scorecard is completely wrong on how that's measured. But it is true. Following Jesus, listen carefully, following Jesus is the true path to being rich, comfortable, powerful, and contented. So this morning, we talk about a personal reformation. I want to share with you for a few minutes about your blessed life now. <laughs> Not your best life now, but it is the best life. The best life is the blessed life now. And Jesus just shared in this passage what the blessed life is and what the rewards are of following him. Now, let's notice these very quickly as we prepare our hearts for communion, but let's, let's notice what the Lord Jesus says about following him. He does not tell us to sacrifice, take up our cross, follow him, die to self, leave it all for nothing. Here's what he says is to those people who follow him in the kingdom. First of all, he says... And we will learn that following Jesus is the path to being rich. Following Jesus is the path to being rich. But it is a rags to riches journey. Look at verse 3. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, isn't that a mixed metaphor? Blessed beggars. That's what Jesus says. Blessed beggars. Blessed are the poor. The word poor here means beggars. Beggars in spirit. And the word beggar here in the original is a very amazing, powerful word. It literally has this meaning to reach out your hand while you cover your face. 
You, you reach out your hand in absolute need while you cover your face in shame. That's the word here for poor, a beggar, totally destitute, completely dependent on the pity of others for your life. That's what that word means. Now the question is, how can those people be happy? How can beggars be happy? Well, it's because of the kind of beggars they are, and it's because of what Jesus is talking about when he says being rich. How's this possible? How can beggars be rich? Notice, because of what these beggars receive, what they recognize and what they receive. Notice what these beggars recognize that Jesus says are going to be rich. They recognize that they are what? Poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. What do these beggars that Jesus is describing as the only ones who are going to become rich, really rich forever, what do they recognize? They recognize that they are bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt. That means these beggars Jesus is talking about recognize they have nothing to offer God to earn or deserve his merit or his grace or his pity. But notice, these beggars that are blessed Notice what they come begging for. They don't come begging for money. They come begging for mercy. Blessed are the poor in spirit. They know and feel that they are an absolute beggar when it comes to the holiness of God. And having a relationship with him, they recognize that they are beggars and they come with that recognition and now notice what they receive. Notice what they receive. Theirs is what? What do these beggars get? Theirs is the kingdom of God. Now once you notice, that's not future tense. Blessed are the poor in spirit because they shall someday get the kingdom of God. That's not what it says. It says blessed are these beggars in spirit because theirs is the kingdom of God. They will and they do experience the kingdom of God. They are radically rich. Why? Because they've come with their bankrupt, bankrupt spiritual condition. And they're asking the Lord for mercy. And it's those people who are given the kingdom of God. Now friends, I'm going to tell you. However you define wealth. I'd say that includes the kingdom of God, wouldn't you? Theirs is the kingdom of God because of what they receive. These spiritual beggars are radically rich. Now, the question, friend, this morning for you is, are you rich? You see, that's a helpful question. 
Because it first of all asks if you have ever come as a beggar to Jesus Christ. Have you ever come as a beggar and cried out for mercy to Jesus Christ? If you have, you have become rich. Yours is the kingdom of God. But you know, it's also helpful for some of us because we've been walking around almost with our chin on the ground and our shoulders sagging and, you know... We are almost just saying like little kids, nobody loves me, I guess I'll just keep worms. <laughs> and if you are a Christian, if you know you're a Christian, who is richer than you? You have the kingdom now and forever. You're rich. But friend, I don't care what your net worth is. Unless you have the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ, you are a bankrupt person. I can tell you, and I've told you many times, and as long as I'm your pastor, I'll tell you time and time again, I can tell you exactly what your net worth is. You can know any moment what your net worth is. And here's what your net worth is, and it's not a penny more. Your net worth is whatever you have that money can't buy and death can't take away. That's your net worth. Whatever you have that is yours that money can't buy and death can't take away, now that's riches. Following Jesus is the path to being rich. I want you to notice, secondly, following Jesus is also the path to being comfortable. The path to being comfortable. The Lord is very interested in the comfort of his people. The Lord's very interested in the comfort of his people. He calls himself what? The comforter. He calls himself the comforter. The Holy Spirit is called the comfort. God is called the God of all comfort. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. God says in Isaiah 40, he says, be comforted, be comforted my people. God's interested in our comfort. But the question is, who does our Lord comfort? Who does our Lord comfort? Well, the Lord, listen carefully, does not comfort the comfortable. He comforts the mournful. The Lord does not comfort the comfortable. He comforts the mournful. Look at verse 4, the desperately mournful. Verse 4, Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, this is very interesting. There are nine words in the New Testament for expressing sorrow. Nine different words translated into English, all the other languages from Greek, that express sorrow. This word is the deepest expression of all. This word for sorrow here, mourning, Blessed are those who mourn. This word is almost always used to mourn over the death of a dear loved one. 
It, it means the deepest form of mourning. When your heart is broken in a million pieces, most often over the death of someone very dear to you. That's the word that's used here. Now, how can Jesus say, blessed are people whose hearts are shattered by mourning? How can he say they're blessed? Well, friends, it's a blessed grief he's talking about. Because what Jesus is describing here, when he says, blessed are those who mourn, he's talking about, listen, a godly sorrow. A godly sorrow. What Jesus is talking about is mourning over your sin. Mourning over the condition of your heart before your heavenly father. Mourning over your sin, over your own sin. And the reason that he can say a person is blessed who mourns over his her, or her own sin is because that is the one who's going to receive the comfort of the Savior. That person who's mourning over his or her sin. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn over their sins. Friends, I want to tell you something. Never, never, never has the Lord turned away anyone who is truly mourning over his or her sins. The Lord will never turn away a person who comes to him regardless of what he or she has done. If that person comes mourning, truly mourning over their sin... The Lord will not turn them away. David knew that. That's the reason David could pray this in Psalm 51 when he was mourning. He was mourning over his sin. He said this in Psalm 51 verse 16. For you do not desire sacrifice. Else I would give it. You do not delight over burnt offerings. And then he goes on to say the sacrifices of God. What does God want? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken spirit and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Friend, no matter what has happened, if you will come to God blessed by a broken spirit over your sin, the Lord will comfort you. He will not turn you away. He will comfort you. Everyone who mourns over their sin is comforted in this life. When you mourn over your sin, guess what the Lord does? When you repent of your sins, the Lord forgives your sins. The Bible says this, that therefore being justified by faith, we have what? What do we have? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who are the people that are justified? Those who are mourning over their sins and coming to Jesus, to his precious blood that we sang about as the atonement. Those people are justified. They have peace with God. 
But friends, not only will we be comforted in this life, thank God we'll be comforted in the life to come, won't we? When we'll be saved to sin no more. Book of the Revelation, chapter 21, verse 4. Here's what God said. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. No sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things are passed away. You know, heaven must be a such an amazing place when the only way the Lord can describe it to us is by telling us what's not there. What's the value of that comfort? What do you value on knowing, no matter how difficult the world is and how hard it is, what, com what value do you put on this, knowing that one day God's going to wipe away every tear. And you will never know any more death, yours or your loved ones. No more sorrow, no crying, no more pain. What's the value of that? Following Jesus is the path to being rich. Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of God. Following Jesus is the path to being comfortable. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now notice this. Following Jesus is the path to being powerful. The path to being powerful. You know, every year I'm amazed. Uh, these magazines come out sometimes several times a year, and talks about the most powerful people in the world, the most influential people in the world. Have you ever seen that? The, the hundred most influential people in the world. You know what? I've come to the conclusion, I don't think Jesus reads those magazines. What about you? I don't think he does. Evidently, he did not read those magazines when he said this. When he was talking about power, here's how Jesus described power, the power of his followers. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, that does not just sound radical, that sounds ridiculous. Especially it sounded ridiculous when Jesus was saying it that day on the Roman, in the Roman culture to that group of Galileans because the Romans and the Roman culture of the world at that time did not even consider meekness to be a virtue. They, they really, the Romans, did not consider meekness to be a virtue. They considered it to be a vice. They, they considered it to be a devaluing of a person's character. And you know what? How powerful do we think meek people are today as a culture? And for, for ourselves sometimes. How, how powerful do we have 
do we think meek people are? I mean, maybe you've seen signs or t-shirts that say, the geeks rule. You ever seen that? The geeks rule. You'll see that, but you'll never see one that says, the meek rule. No. No one says that. But there's a meaning here and there's a message that we need to understand. And first of all, it's the meaning of the word meek. Mark your Bible. <laughs> meek here does, does not mean weak. Don't put a W in front of that and change the, an E to an A. Weak. It doesn't mean weak. What the word here means, literally I, means is mild or soft. Mild or soft, it has as its key idea, listen carefully, the key idea of being meek is submission. That's the word, submission. The, the word was used of a, of a strong horse that was broken to the, by, to the bridle. That horse is as strong as ever, but the spirit has been brought under control of the owner. Now that horse strong as ever, is under control of the owner, the rider, and now is useful, truly useful. That's what Jesus is saying here. He is saying those who submit, follow his thought, those who submit to me will inherit the earth. Will inherit the the earth. His meaning is the kingdom, listen carefully, the kingdom is reserved for people who are meek. The kingdom is reserved for people who submit to King Jesus. I saw something very interesting one time. I've seen it several times. Actually, it's in Israel. When you go to Israel on a, as a, on a tour, you'll go to Bethlehem, of course, but you will find built over the cave in which it is believed Jesus was born is the church of the Holy Nativity. The church of the Holy Nativity. It was built by the mother of the Emperor Constantine about 315, 316 A.D., so it's the oldest church in the Middle East, the oldest structure that they know at this time of a true church building is this church. It's built over the side of the birth of Jesus. Now, under Turkish domination, Here's what the Turkish soldiers would do. They would ride their horses into the church. And they would stable their horses in the church of the Holy Nativity. Stable their horses there. But when finally Turkish rule was overthrown and this church was given some boundaries to protect it, the first thing that happened was this. The leaders of the church put up a new door to the church. 
And it never opens. The big doors never open. What they did, they cut out a little side door. And everybody that goes in, it's not big enough for a man on a horse. It's not big enough for a full-grown man, trust me. And the only way you go into that church is if you bow. You have to bow to go into that church. You can't walk upright and go into that church. Friends, you've got to bow to get in. You've got to bow to King Jesus to enter his kingdom. And this is what Jesus is saying. Blessed are the meek, those who submit, because they will enter the kingdom and they will experience the kingdom. Theirs is the kingdom. Just before we take communion, here's the fourth thing I want you to notice. Following Jesus is the path, the true path, to being rich, comfortable, powerful, and contented. Contented. Someone has said the most precious thing in the world is contentment because no amount of money can buy it. The most precious thing in the world is contentment because no amount of money can buy it. I do pray you're wise enough to know that money can't buy contentment. Contentment is not found in riches. Where's contentment found? Contentment is found in righteousness, being right with God. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. They shall be satisfied. There's the contentment. Who are the contented people? The people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They hunger and they thirst for being right with God. They have a holy hunger, a hunger for God himself. That's what Jesus is describing. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to hunger and thirst for God. And righteousness is not in finding it. Righteousness is in knowing him, right? Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I'll tell you, the most contented people on the face of the earth are people who are characterized by this. As the deer pants after the running brook, so my heart pants after you, O oh God. That's contentment. Contentment is to have Christ and be pursuing him at the same time. The great church father Augustine said in his prayer, you have made us for yourself, O oh Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. 
You have made us for yourselves, o Lord, yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. God promises contentment. The God who cannot lie has promised contentment. Unconditional guarantee. You say, Sam, you got a verse for that? Yeah, I found a verse. <laughs> and it's not that I had an idea and I had to go find a verse. Here's what God said. Almighty God, who cannot lie, said this in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 16. He said, then you will seek for me and you will find me when you seek for me and search for me with all your heart and I will what? Be found by you, says the Lord. Notice, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Almighty God's not playing hide and seek. He says, if you truly seek him, you will find him. He will reveal himself to you because he created you, yes, in his image, that you might know him and enjoy him forever. And I tell you, brother and sister, that's contentment. I hope you feel rich this morning in Jesus Christ. And the greatest riches we have are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's bow our heads and ask our dear friends to come as we are receiving these elements that remind us of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. And dear friend, as we come, now is the time for you to seek your heart. And yes, to pursue riches and comfort and power and to pursue contentment, but know that they're all found in Christ. And maybe now some here need to say, Lord, forgive me for the useless and vain pursuits of my life when you are my exceeding great reward. And oh, dear friend, I pray this very moment that you will bow your heart as a beggar. Bow as a beggar and ask a merciful God to make you rich through Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He will not turn you away.